Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi joins me on this episode. We're also joined in studio by some local football coaches as they took a team to San Antonio and got a huge trophy for coming in second place. And a great story out of Dauphin, a couple Dauphin Kings helping out at a daycare, and it went better than anyone could have expected. That on a stacked edition of the podcast. Okay, Commissioner Ambrosi, uh, how are you enjoying your trip across the country? Oh, it's been uh, it's been great. I started in Calgary. Um, had a great opportunity to visit the, uh, the 2018 Grey Cup champions and their fans, and then uh, off to uh, Regina. We was very cold, and so I had a I had a, a great but very cold visit to Regina, then gone to Vancouver, where there's a lot of excitement. Uh, with uh, with Mike Riley signing there, and here I am in my uh, my old home city, um, you know, getting a chance to visit with Bomber fans. So far, it's been it's been great. So, what kind of questions have you been hearing from uh, Bombers fans today? Well, you know, I think uh, I actually had more questions from them. Uh, for them, I, I, there there was uh, so we've been talking about our 2.0 strategy and and uh, you know, getting some really really good questions on that. Uh, I've been asking about uh, a potential shift to uh, for our playoff games to Saturdays, uh, and I've gotten great feedback on that. Very positive feedback for us that a shift to a Saturday, um, you know, semifinal and final uh, a schedule. And, uh, and I've been asking about uh, challenge flags, and I've been getting some pretty good feedback and consistent feedback on uh, the challenge flag issue. So let's start with the Saturday playoff games then, the rationale being you don't want to go up against the NFL? No, I don't want them to have to go up against us. I, I feel like we're not being good neighbors if we make them compete, compete against us. Uh, but in, in reality, uh, that was, that was, uh, that was my, me being trying to be funny. I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, you know, what really is driven by is that we've, we've uh, been working hard uh, in the league and with TSN, our broadcast partner, on our strategy, uh, uh, scheduling strategy. And, and frankly, Christian, this goes back for many years. You know, I'd see a Phil fans, you know, when I was a player or, or uh, you know, just a fan myself that, uh, you know, people didn't know when we played. So we, we made a commitment, and it's uh, going to be on full display in 2019. We're going to do Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays during the, during the summer. Uh, culminating with our, you know, our Labor Day games, uh, which we will play a Sunday game, uh, the Riders Bombers game, and then uh, Labor Day Mondays, uh, you know, traditional games. Uh, but after Labor Day, we're going to go to a Friday Saturday schedule, and uh, and we're not playing Sunday games. And then uh, we, then the idea was, well, look, if we're going to really get our fans used to, you know, uh, Saturday football. Maybe we should do Saturday playoff games for the semifinal and final. And but I, I thought it was a perfect opportunity since I was going on the road to to meet fans to really ask them. And so far, I've gotten tremendously positive feedback on on Saturday playoff games. So you know, I'm still got you know several stops to make before we're done. But so far, it's been uh, it's been very helpful. Any worry though about those Saturday playoff games kind of swallowing up the U Sports bowl games that would be kind of going up against you on TV? Well, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about is how how much positive collaboration we're having with uh, with the U Sports community. We're you know we're we've 
we've uh, we've decided to you know, you know to work really hard to, and work well together as partners. And we're you know we're we're in a discussion about how we might bring Vanya Cup and the Great Cup back together again as we have in the past. So, but I, I think right now we're you know deeply committed to working together with U Sports and and uh, and so you know as long as we're talking and as long as we're working together, I think we'll uh, we'll end up in a good place. Okay. Uh, another topic that I'm sure you've been asked a lot about the last couple of days is the Johnny Menzel situation. Was that kind of an easy decision? He breaks the contract, he's gone, or was there any kind of credence given to the hefty price Montreal paid to get him in the first place? Well, you know, we we were we were very clear uh, when we when we started that uh, his conditions were absolute, and that you know if he violated them. Um, you know that he wouldn't play in our league, and uh, we made you know we shared that with Hamilton, and Hamilton agreed. We we talked about it with uh, with Montreal before the trade was uh, before the trade was agreed to, and they and they agreed to it. So, you know we we, we weren't we weren't going to violate our you know that we weren't going to uh, back away from those principles on which those conditions were created, and uh, but it, you know in the end it, it is certainly disappointing. What is the latest on the Atlantic Schooners' progress? I know you're getting out there later on in March, but uh, what is, I guess, the latest on that situation? Yeah, you know, it is. Uh, it continues to be positive. I I had a, an update session with uh, Anthony LeBlanc, who uh, you know is leading the charge for their group, and and he said, uh, you know, he indicated there were a lot of positive things happening. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think there are lots of positive things going on there. You know, it's, uh, it's a little bit like in a game, you know, you're down by five and you're, and, uh, and you're marching, you're getting a lot of first downs. We, I think we are getting a lot of first downs. Uh, and, but, but in the end, you know, you've got to score, right? You've got to get in the end zone and, and that is successfully getting that stadium project approved and, and a spade in the ground to build it. Uh, but right now, I'm I'm still optimistic that uh, that that's going to be done. Great conversations with Mayor Savage uh, from the Hamilton Regional Council and and uh, Premier uh, McNeil uh, at the province uh, are are still positive and very supportive. So you know, I I, I I'm I think it's going to get done. I, I I believe it will get done. Uh, but there's you know still there's still some work to do. Free agency started a few weeks back. With some big money going to the quarterbacks and we uh we get to see really some of the numbers we don't often get to see is there any thought of ever just making public what players make in the cfl well you know i uh, i mean it's certainly it's certainly come up uh you know and and look i think in i was just in i was just in vancouver uh with the lions and i, I got a lot of positive feedback on on uh on you know uh, the lions publishing Mike's salary. I think they did that in cooperation with Mike. Uh, and, and, you know, in that case, I think it caused, it raised a lot of eyebrows, maybe some non-traditional CFL fans who kind of went, wow, those guys at the CFL make a lot of money. And, you know, that, that uh, but, but I think the broader question around whether we would do it would have to be something we'd have to agree to with the players. Because, you know, I think, first of all, you know, just you would want to unilaterally talk about what anyone what anyone makes uh, unless uh, there was something that we wanted to do together so you know if, if it was uh, something the players wanted to explore I, I think we, we could do that with them 
So speaking of talks with the players, the bargaining process officially starts March 11th and 12th. Is there any concern of not starting the season on time? Well, of course there is. <laughs> because, you know, like, like it's, it's it's one of the, you know, all, you know, you, you start, I guess, with uh, all the various uh, scenarios and, you know, scenario A, the one we, the one we all want is that we bargain a, a, a deal that is fair for both the, the players in the league and, and we get that done well in time for training camps. That's the best scenario. Uh, but but not starting on time is a scenario. You know, it's not what we want. It's not what we expect. But uh, but it, but because because it is a scenario that could happen. You know, I, I do think about it. I I I'd like to think that we're going to be in a great situation to share our vision for the future of our game and the league with the players and and uh, and try to to uh, to own a, a to co-own that vision. To find a way to to build a, 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 a you know a, a CBA that's going to be good for you know for both the, the league and the players, but you know today I'm I'm optimistic uh, that that uh, we'll come together in a positive way and get uh, and get a CBA done. Will the ratio be part of that with, in terms of the new agreements you have with these foreign leagues? If some of those players end up making a roster, how will that impact the ratio? Yeah, you know we're we're going to be you know the whole topic of uh, you know how to how to account for international players is something that will be front and center. You know why my initial my initial uh, on day one I, I think I'm going to have a chance to to talk about you know CFL 2.0 and a vision for the future of the league. I'm going to share with the players uh, you know what's happening in the world of sports. How you know the internationalizing of sports has been good for has been good for the players around the world and in other sports and and how this this could potentially be good for them and then and then we'll talk about uh, you know we'll talk about how we how we how we can make it happen together but you know I I, I feel like uh, the you know there's a the bigger picture broader opportunities how do we create more opportunities for Canadian kids to play football. Ultimately, I know this, that uh, a lot of kids that love the game, that play college or junior, um, you know, they, they don't, their love of the game doesn't end when their eligibility is completed. I want to create, create opportunities all around the world for Canadian kids to go and continue to play the game they love. And uh, one of the ways, uh, and, and ultimately to measure ourselves by just how many kids get to extend their football playing days, uh, you know, after college or, or junior. And, that, that kind of big picture view on on Canadian participation is, is is an important part of the discussion as well. One of the subjects that came up, uh, Brian Ramsey, the CFLPA's conference call yesterday was a he had, took issue with a moratorium on bonuses. Can you explain that? Uh, well, you know, quite honestly, I uh, that was a decision that was taken before I before I started. Uh, I think it was in the uh, in January of 2017 that decision was made. So. You know, it, it, it's not something that I was uh, that I was involved in, and and uh, and so I, you know, I really can't comment on it. Fair enough. What about uh, raising the minimum wage in the CFL? Well, again, it's going to be uh, it's going to be the subject of uh, of a discussion with the players. You know, how how do we? You know, what's the what's the best way and the fairest way to to pay our players? And uh, and I look, I, I I think we're looking forward to. 
you know, uh, talking to the players about all, a, a wide variety of issues, and that I, I think will certainly be one of them. A lot of the player movement in free agency went from east to west, and the west was already uh, dominant, really. If in head-to-head matchups, the west has been better than the east in well, pretty much since the crossover began. Is there any thought of just ditching divisions altogether? Yeah, the, you know, it 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 is a it is a, a topic that I think you know is uh, on you know uh, many fans you know especially in the West want to talk about it. Uh, you know, I I say you know I take a deep breath and remind myself that one of the great advantages of Halifax coming into our league, if it, if we can land that franchise, would be two five team balanced conferences, uh, a chance to play a, an unbalanced schedule where you you play more. Uh, in your conference and, and build those, you know, build those rivalries that are, you know, really can be beneficial to the to the game. I, I'd like to see us. I'd like to see how this Halifax thing plays out before we make an adjustment. I certainly understand the reasons for the fans would would want a, you know, just a, a, a nine a nine team single division. But I, I'd like to see where we go with Halifax before we uh, make any changes. And uh, finally, before I let you go, Commissioner, when's the next Great Cup going to be in Winnipeg? Well, you know, under the new format, uh, you know, the, the teams are asked to bid on uh, bid on Great Cup. Uh, it was all a de- about a decision made by the governors to really raise the bar, to really, you know, create a, to create a more competitive environment so that the bids are stronger. We certainly saw that in the bidding process this year, um, you know what Saskatchewan accomplished uh, the bid they the bid they created for you know for their successful uh, the 2020 Great Cup was amazing. Similarly, what we saw with Hamilton's bid. So, you know, I, I think that's something that the Bombers will will have to think about and talk about. They they have had a very successful Great Cups here before, and and I'm uh, look I, I personally as a Winnipegger I I'd love to see. Uh, you know, Winnipeg put in a bid. I guess uh, now we'd be talking as early as uh, 2022. Commissioner Ambrosi, I appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your trip across the country. Yeah, thanks very much. Nice talking with you. We're welcoming into the studio Keto Poblo has been on the show before and Mike Denica of the Manitoba Selects football team. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? We're good. How are you? Doing well. Great. So you were in San Antonio recently. People don't know this at home, but there's an enormous trophy sitting <laughs> on this table. It's probably four feet tall. Uh, How did you get this? <laughs> well, we uh, the Tenue Group. We uh, were in a tournament down south in San Antonio, and uh, we managed to get right up to the championship game. And uh, we uh, we gave it our all. We finished up in second place and nice. did a heck of a job. So how many teams were at this event? There, there was 40 teams that uh, came to this event. There was teams from California, Mexico, Texas, and Virginia. Okay. And how many players did we send out there? We had uh, 115 kids from that, that went out there, 10U, 12U, and uh, 14U age uh, teams. Nice. So, Mike, you are the coach? Head coach. Head coach. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so... How was that experience for you down in Texas playing football in February? It was great. It was a great time. Uh, I think it was a great experience overall to be challenged for the uh, the athletes and uh, as a coach to go against a level that's uh, a lot higher than around here. So it's great. It was a great experience. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess I imagine at this time of year, 
to get that kind of experience, you're not going to find it in Manitoba, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Football's different in Texas. Definitely is. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. It's a whole a whole thing on its own. Yeah. So, how different is the style of play down in a tournament like that than maybe uh, the high school game here in Manitoba? Well, f- from my perspective, it's a lot. Uh, th- hitting's the biggest p- part of it. It's very aggressive. Uh, when they come out, they're ready to go. There's no, there's no delay. It's, it's full speed all the time. Okay. Yeah. And what do you think of it, Keto? Yeah, you know, I think it's very similar. Like he's talking about the speed, um, the the contact, the energy of the stadium. It's uh, very high intense, and it's re- really great that our kids are able to experience this at a young age. Yeah, the learning experience of something like this. It's, it's got to be something that they can definitely put forth. When they're, they're, I guess their action is back up here when yeah. the league's going again up here. Exactly. And that's this, this cool thing about our program is the fact that um, we always tell the parents, hey, don't, don't judge your kid on how they perform while they're down there. Judge your kid on how they perform when they come back up here during the season. And their level of intensity and their level of play is so much higher than everybody who doesn't do it. And it must have been cool, too, to you know leave the cold for a bit. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Definitely was. So what are some of the, I guess, some of the names to look for on your team if you want to single out a few here? Well, I uh, I can't single out any because, <laughs> uh, to be honest, it was a, it was a solid group effort, and, and that's the key is is at this age that I was coaching, especially with the 10U, is the, the main goal is to focus on being a team and supporting each other out there, and that's that's what matters the most. Yeah, you know, I, I would say so the same. You know, with, with we have a lot of studs on our all three of our teams and uh it, it takes a collective effort i do think you know once they get into the 14u uh age range we can start singling out some guys and stuff like that but just to save face for today because okay. i know i'm gonna hear a lot of um there's gonna be some kids for sure in that age group that are gonna be something special in the high school season this year so our our numbers at this age group what they used to be are they up down what do you think uh, they're definitely football in general locally is is the numbers you know tend to to go down uh, over the years that I've coached. But uh, with saying that, uh, I think the coaching itself over over the years and the programs have have gotten a lot better. So okay, yep. And I think that's exactly right. Like you know, it's uh, the kids' experience at a young age is definitely a part of whether they stay or not. You know, and so like. Uh, Different programs uh, that have been emerging throughout the football community, like ours, even even uh, Football Manitoba putting in some programs to helping out coaches and stuff like that. I think it's helping the retention of football players and actually the performance of kids playing football during the offseason. How long have you been involved in football, Mike? Uh, well, I played it through my entire youth up until I was in my early 20s, and I've been coaching youth football for about eight years now. What do you like about it? Uh, you know what? I like giving back to the game from playing as a player and then uh, started getting involved when my own kids started playing again. And it was great. That's, that's you know, the, the best thing about it is rewarding to pass it on to a, to another young athlete. And hopefully they stick with it. And I know you've been involved in football, <laughs> yeah. playing in the CFL as well. But Yeah, yeah. You know what? For me, it's really just about surrounding myself with great coaches and guys who love and are passionate about coaching. And so, like, when we got a chance to, um, you know, uh, 
get Mike on the staff, like, as a head coach, he brought in a great staff. And, you know, I think it's really just about surrounding the kids with people who are going to help put them in the best positions possible. And um, it's really been really I've been really fortunate to be able to have guys like Mike on the staff to actually give these kids these experiences that, you know, it's very hard to get an all star coaching staff together. So it's been pretty awesome. So what's next on the schedule? Well, <laughs> take a little break, enjoy the cold, I guess. But other than that, no, get get ready for club ball for yeah. for all of us. Kind of go back and and go to our groups and look forward to the upcoming season. Okay, and when does I guess club ball start? Basically, uh, the season itself starts in uh, in August, but uh, everything registration and that starts in early spring. So it's so. almost the off season now, ish. Yeah. Yes, yes. But yeah. training never really stops. No, it never no. does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys coming down to the studio tonight to talk to me, and uh, congratulations on this enormous trophy. Where's that, where's that going to go? I don't know. We're uh, still trying to find a home yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> if you read letters to the editor in the newspaper, you'll, you don't know what you're going to find. Any kinds of stories. But we came across this one about Kings players coming to the rescue. And the writer of this letter to the editor is Jamie Grulette. She is the executive director of the Dauphin Magical Horizons Daycare Center. Appreciate you joining me tonight, Jamie. Uh, you're welcome. So uh, instead of me reading the the letter, why don't you tell me what you wrote about? Um, so basically what I wrote about was um, I have two school-age centers, so they are really hard to staff because I only need staff in the morning and then after school. So they're not full-time hours. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put a letter out to organizations in the town that have um, kids that are older than 18 that can come in and work for me, but are just looking for a few hours here and there. And one of the organizations that I contacted was the Dauphin Kings. And so Beck Headley, who's the head coach, called me back and said that he had these two boys that were interested. And I thought, okay, this is going to be an adventure, but what the heck? And so these two boys showed up and were pretty shy. And I thought, okay, well, let's give it a go. And, and it just far surpassed anything I could have imagined. So how long have they, these two uh, young men, Riley Buller and Byron Faubert, uh when did they first come in? Um, so it's Brian Fober. They it's okay. They came in uh, in September, so they started working for me about mid September, and they actually just had their last day today. Oh wow! Okay. So, so. yeah, because they're starting playoffs in right. about a week or so, so they want to just focus on that, which I totally get. Because really, why they're here in Dawson is to play hockey. So, but um, it's just been amazing. The kids have taken to them like nothing I've ever seen before and they love the boys and they've started going to games and and it's it's just been awesome. It's been an amazing experience and I grew up in Dauphin so I've followed the Kings for a lot of years. I grew up in a rink. My dad was a trainer of the Kings at one point and and just to have been a part of this experience has been amazing. I know community outreach is a big part of what these teams try to do in the towns, communities that they're in. But for you, what was your expectation, I guess, when two hockey players walked through the door for the first time? You know what? I didn't have any expectations. And, and to be honest, I 
really wasn't sure if it was going to work out. Like I said, they were shy and, and neither one of them had any experience working with kids, but they just took to the kids instantly, especially the school age kids. Like if I go there because they have a game out of town or whatever, they're so disappointed that I'm there, which is kind of sad for me, but (laughs) yeah, but they, they love the boys. And, and I think part of it is just, it's a different, they're different with the kids, right? Like, when you're every day working with kids, you know, you're cleaning and you're, you know, but they're just there and they're just completely 100% focused on the kids. And, and it's just, it's amazing to see, like, if I could show you pictures, like we've taken pictures throughout the time and I've got them with, you know, on a tricycle and the kids are pushing them and running around the gym and reading. And it's just been amazing. And these are two guys that I, you know, they're playing hockey at a really high level, but they're still able to come out here and they're still, you know, it's obvious that they're kind of big kids still too, that love having fun, no matter what kind of age that they're surrounded by. Yeah. And I think that's the key. Like, I think that they've just come in and, and it's just fun for them. And I think that that's what's made it such a rewarding experience for us. Like we've even had some of our parents asking if they can come to the house and babysit, like, it's just far beyond anything that I even imagined it would be for them. So how important are the Kings to Dauphin? Well, for me, I've grown up in Dauphin, so hockey's always been a big part of oh, our community. Obviously, we have Barry Trotz that came out of Dauphin, and, and I have two boys that play hockey, one's 14, one's 17, and, and starting out, that was who they looked up to. They looked up to the Dauphin Kings because that was our local team and that was who they wanted to be. And, and it's still like that. I see all the kids in our daycare with their Kings jerseys. And, and I think that that's what made it so rewarding for them was that, you know, it was like having a real life superhero in our daycare because that's really how they look at these boys. So were they just magnetized to them when they were there? Completely. Like it was just like the rest of the staff in the room didn't exist. Just the instant connection. If they're in the gym, like the kids are, like if they're in the gym with the kids, because we have a gym in our daycare, like two of them will be holding onto the boys' hands while they're walking around. The rest of them are trailing behind them. Like it's just, it's insane to watch, really. And it's something that I really didn't expect from two 20-year-old boys. And you mentioned that their time with you now, they're going to the playoffs, so they're not going to have much time with you anymore. What Was there some kind of special send-off for them? Um, not a huge send off, but we will have a send off for them. It's just, um, today they were only at our, like our school age center. And so they're there on their own in the mornings with them because they start at seven in the morning. So, um, but we'll have definitely have something for them once everything sort of dies down playoff time before they leave and go back to their own families. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing the story tonight with me, Jamie. Well, thank you for calling about it. Around this time every week, if you have never turned into the show before, don't know what happened there. My voice stopped working as the Jets scored. Ah, cool. The Jets scored on the power play. Focus. Focus. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes. Not available on Google Podcasts. Not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.